Welcome to another episode of Movie Mastery. I am your host, John. With me, as always, is Jeff. Hey! And we are watching there. the movies that you tell us to do, and not waiting for Jeff to very slowly get out a greeting. <laughs> Indeed. So, <laughs> this time around, we watched the infamously bad uh, Miami Connection. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting that you would think it's infamously bad. I And I not would. just infamous. I mean, it's infamously bad. Huh. Interesting. Tell me more. Makes you think. <laughs> what was your relationship with your mom like? <laughs> really makes me wonder. Nope. I'm, I'm done. I'm done. That's enough. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Interesting history for the movie as far as... Came out in the mid-80s. 87. Flopped so hard. I don't even know if it actually came out. I don't oh, think it did. It, I don't know if it was in theaters or what have you. Yes, it was. Okay. Uh, YK Kim spent millions of his own money mm. to produce and direct and do everything for this movie. It had a release, and it flopped exceptionally hard. Yeah, that's not too big of a surprise. It, it's interesting to me that it made its way into theaters at all. I would I would classify this as a classic example of uh, what I, I've heard described as black tank top films, huh. uh, which is that for some reason, whenever some sort of weirdo outsider artist auteur makes a movie that's pretty much just a big old blowjob to themselves, they almost always wear a black tank top at some point in the film. Huh. All right. You see Neil Breen do it. You see guys like Frank D'Angelo do it or the guy from Gedevin. Like, they all do it. Hmm. Yeah, but this was uh, after it basically got absolutely scathing reviews. Mm -hmm. uh, it disappeared because, I mean, Kim, the director and star of the film, was like, that was just painful. Yeah, no. Because put, he put a lot of himself into it, and it tanked real hard, so he was like, all right, this will never see the light of day again. Yeah. Except Alamo Drafthouse managed to find a 35mm copy on eBay for $25. <laughs> and was like, yeah, sure, we'll take it. I have no idea what that is, but we'll take it. Yep. And I'm sure they were, they were overjoyed to find the sheer uh, 80s incompetence that, that awaited them. Oh, yeah. It is <laughs> definitely... It's magic. It's an, it's an amazing film that... Uh, <laughs> I mean, I don't know if I want to keep going into the background here, because I did a lot of interesting research into this. I'm sure, yeah, yeah, because this isn't a role-playing game, so you're allowed to do all the research you want. Yeah, I don't we'll, have any rules. Yeah. Just right. Yeah. <laughs> but this was a thing where when Drafthouse even called Kim about it, because yeah. before they did anything, they were like, hey, we want to make sure that it's okay with you if we start distribution of this. Mm-hmm. And he thought it was a horrible prank call and hung up on them <laughs> because he was like, oh, you're just trying to fuck with me because you're one of the people that 25 years ago saw this thing. <laughs> and I'm sure they were like, no, no, we have a whole thing where we show ridiculous movies to people and they show up and pay us lots of money for it. Yeah, you don't understand. We've been just showing this at our place here to packed crowds. Yeah. And uh, so now he's like, all right, well. 
cool, I guess my film is a cult classic 25 years later. <laughs> well, I wouldn't say that. It's certainly a cult oddity 25 years later. Uh, yeah. 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 Not every bad movie that people watch because it's bad is a cult classic. I mean, yes, it is. Damn it. <laughs> That's sort De- of the exactly def- what we it already, is. We already spent forever going around on the definition of cult classic. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> oh, But yeah, he... Apparently, YK Kim owned like a ton of Taekwondo do studios. Yeah, I was going to say, he definitely is a dojo owner, which is definitely where he did most of his recruiting for backup actors and so on. Oh, all the main actors are just students. Yeah, that's completely what I expected, was just like every single person in this movie is just someone in his high Taekwondo studio. And he's like, yeah, who wants to be in a movie? And they were all like, uh, yeah, sure, I not? want the rock star lifestyle. I'm a Michael Phelps looking motherfucker. Put me in a movie. <laughs> I might be Oats. <laughs> You can't prove I'm not Oats. Without Hall around, no one knows whether or not I'm Oats. <laughs> Standing in the back of the party, no one knows I'm Oats. Uh, I wish Hall was here. <laughs> Who's that weird mustache guy? Oh. Yeah, so very interesting. Uh, bad movie from 87 that got new life. Absolutely Worth a watch, in my opinion, especially if you're doing a watch with a group. Yeah, it's a good, it's a good, I mean, it's a bad movie, so it's a good bad movie night movie. That's what it is. It's definitely a film that you're like, oh, you'll enjoy being confused by how bad this movie is. Well, it hits the right cadences for a bad movie night movie, which is a thing. There's a lot of bad movies. Lord knows you and I have watched dozens of bad movies, several of which I would never recommend for a bad movie night. Like, I'm never going to be like, hey, everybody, let's watch The Day After Tomorrow. No, there are definitely movies where you're like, this is bad, and it's not because of, like, weird things. It's just boring and slow and kind of shittily made what this does is it has repeated inscrutable events which lets you at a bad movie night you want that because you want things to keep popping up to become the running theme jokes of the evening and this movie has that in spades like every 20 minutes there's a stupid looking fight there's a dumb hair metal song there's a weird scene of the all the main characters doing doing or being terrible actors with their shirts off in a room just you just keep hitting the same highlights and building to a crescendo, and it's glorious. Yeah, and honestly, the great thing is that none of it is reused. Like, you get multiple different shitty songs. Yeah. You get multiple different shitty fights. No, no, there's no it's not like it's a, it's not a endlessly repeated cycle of a movie, but it is a movie that has a, a uh, repetitive structure to it, which is, in my opinion, great for a bad movie night, because you yeah. want those things to come back around, so you go, they're doing it again! They're fucking doing it again! Oh, yeah, the room you is need screaming, callbacks you know? with that shit. Exactly. So, yeah, definitely my non-spoiler review is it is a perfect movie for a bad movie night. Yeah. Check it out. Uh... Do you have anything you want to say about it before I, we get into it? I think it's a perfectly fine movie to watch because it's it's right at that exact blend of 80s nostalgia, Florida weirdness, and general incompetence that makes for a, uh, a not unpleasant 80 minutes. There you go. Yeah. All right. We're going to play a little music. Gee, I wonder what. And... Oh, I mean, there's like three different selections I could make from this movie, and they're all amazing. Let me just name them all real quick so you can't use any of them. (laughs) All right, we will play some music. Be right back. We are going to do the full deep dive spoilerific review of Miami Connection.
are back, and it is time to tell you all about the true Taekwondo family that we meet in Miami Connection. I'm sure that you were all very excited to learn about them, but let me tell you right away, they're a real family and a real band, and they all are orphans, and they're all black belts in Taekwondo, <laughs> and all of them hate shirts. All of them. Uh, except YK Kim, who never takes his actual shirt off. Uh, he's, he's older than the rest of them because he's like an established dojo owner and businessman. Yeah. And everyone else in his team is like young, sexy dudes from the, I mean, you know, mid 80s Florida sexy, which is a different kind of sexy. Oh, yeah. The 87 Florida sexy is <laughs> some Michael Phelps looking motherfuckers I, and oats. The 87 Florida sexy was my first car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Parents left it. They had like two sunroofs. It was weird, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh but yeah the the fact that the main characters of this are all supposed to be in college including kim <laughs> yes kim <laughs> who is clearly in his 40s oh yeah I'm like <laughs> oh you've been a business owner for 20 years and for some reason you're like yes I am also here at this college with you. I feel like I might be being generous when I say he's in his 40s here. The only reason I'm not saying he's older is because he was alive in like 2016 for Alamo Draft House to ask him for permission. Yeah. And I don't think he's in his like 80s now. So <laughs> so I'm assuming he's in his 40s just so he can probably be in his late 70s at the moment. Oh. <laughs> uh. But we don't meet him or Dragon Sound for quite some time to come. God, the beginning of this movie where we meet the <laughs> bikers by day, ninjas by night. Yes, with a song about how they're bikers by day and ninjas by night. One of the nicest things about this this uh, movie is that almost all of the songs are diegetic. Well, they're not diegetic, but rather they are about the scene. That they yes, are, they're they are all, descriptive. They're all descriptive songs. They are very Will Smith end of the movie. Yes, except that they're happening during the movie. So if you see a bunch of bikers with or bikes with ninjas on them, they'll have a song playing that's like bikers by day, ninjas by night. All they do is bike and fight. <laughs> and that is the exact level of quality of the songs in this as well. Yes. And it is, I would say the opening scene in this is honestly probably the most competently done scene. Which is weird. I mean, yes, it's almost definitely the most competently done scene, but it is also, by a wide margin, the most boring. It's it's kind of like, this movie's a roller coaster ride, and the opening scene is that part where you're going up the big hill and listening to the chain clank. <laughs> you know, you're just like, uh, come on, let's get through. I, I, I hear the ratchet sounds. Yeah, the anticipation's not really building. It's just it's doing that, but you're in the back of the roller coaster. So the people in front are like, ooh, anticipation. And you're just like, I'm I'm good. I'm looking at backs. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like, because the opening scene is a huge gang of bikers, which are ninjas, uh, raiding a huge gang of drug dealing Floridian redneck dirtbags who are coke dealers. Yeah. And it's not even fully just the dirtbag thing, because you kind of have this weird meetup of like florida dirtbags and mafia looking guys yeah so like probably just half of the people they said would you like to be in a movie had a suit and the other half didn't <laughs> yk kim just just told everybody dress like you're going to a wedding and he got what he got <laughs> yeah what this is where i wore to my sister's wedding to me <laughs> well <laughs> uh but having like a standard dockside drug deal type of thing go down and then just 
ninjas show up and start murdering everyone. And, and you're like, okay, yeah, and all it right. Go- it goes on for a very long time, and there are absolutely no words. There's a little bit at the very beginning where they're like, where one of them is like, yeah, we're here for the meat. Is this the stuff? I don't think we were followed. And then after that, there's like a long wordless scene where one of them does the stab cocaine, taste cocaine thing. Yeah. Uh, which is, you know, generic bu- movie bullshit. Cocaine doesn't taste like anything. It's supposed to kind of numb your lips, but you need more of it to do it. Well, I mean, also, maybe you're like, oh, if I actually taste something weird, then you cut it. That's true. That It, it, it could be a taste test for fuck up. Yeah. But that's always the thing. It's always funny to me when they're like, mm, rubbing on their gums. That's good shit. And you're like, no, that's not how that, that's, I, ah! I mean, I'm not saying I've done a tremendous amount of coke. In fact, I've done no coke. <laughs> zero uh, coke. Coke zero, one might say. <laughs> I'm a weirdo. I still prefer diet. Blech. I know. Nastiness. I know. It's fine. It's fine. But I'm not going to take that shit from you, Mr. I'll eat corn on the cob, but not off it. Hey, whatever. Yeah. We've all got our thing. Everyone's got a thing. Uh-huh. Or they're just wrong. But my, it's fine. But my thing is big and awesome. <laughs> and my thing corn nibblets. kind of to the left. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the... The ninja attack also, you're like, okay, ninja's attacking some weird, like, mafia slash biker bad guys. And at first you're like, oh, are these, like, yeah, are these the good guys? Yeah. Like, like uh, I've se- I'd seen the movie before because uh, this isn't my first time watching it. Um, it's your first rodeo. Yeah, but uh, my, I had the same experience the first time that I'm guessing you had this time, which is which one of these teams is protagonist? Obviously, it's the ninjas because they're winning, but are they good guys? Are they going to have a reveal where YK Kim takes off his mask at some point? What are we waiting for? Well, yeah, and you also have w- the very clear leader of the ninjas because every one of them is in black except one mm-hmm. who is Storm Shadow. Yeah, you have a Storm Shadow guy, except that Storm Shadow looks cool. <laughs> uh um and, and so they just kind of rampage through the camp killing guys with machine guns even though they have like ninja stars and swords uh luckily most of these these florida dirtbags are pretty pretty much just like good you know just kind of spraying at nothing oh, until yeah. they get hit with like a fucking thrown hubcap or something there's some gore in this movie not a lot but they there there actually are some practical effects here and there oh yeah money was spent on this yes so there's, for example, a dude gets hit with a ninja star, like three of them across the side of his neck, and there's like blood spurts happening and stuff. So there's some fun gore here. Yeah, you get a guy who gets like sliced across the face, and he mm-hmm. has like a big gash. And you do every time they have one of these rumbles, and there's all there's this movie contains like five rumbles, um, maybe six rumbles. The, the, there's always a scene where like the two head guys have to square off, and this is no exception. Uh, the head guy had, in this case just has like two pieces of vinyl siding because he wasn't expecting a fucking fight and he gets dispatched fairly quickly by the the uh the ninja and that's w- at that point we finally reveal that this is not the protagonists of ninja bikers oh no they aren't here to stop drugs from coming into their town they're here to steal drugs so they can sell them yeah they're robin hood ninjas in that they rob from drug dealers to give to different drug dealers <laughs> <laughs> they don't even sell the coke themselves they have a drug dealer friend they're like we're gonna rob this drug dealer and give it to this other drug dealer yeah and then we're gonna go back to, we're gonna go back to our ninja compound and do the hustle like literally that's what our that's what our training looks like the fucking <laughs> hustle i love that in this scene it takes place in miami they find some miami coke dealers and steal all of their coke Mm -hmm. and then go to orlando where we will spend the rest of the movie miami connection that's right yeah there's very little uh there's not that much of a miami connection in this movie if you will there is a connection in that the movie originates in miami but then it's pretty much orlando for the rest of it 
Yeah, there's, uh... <laughs> I don't even think there's another scene where they ever go back to Miami. I don't think there's a scene where they go back to Miami, but there is at least one scene where I feel like they probably went to fucking Gainesville. <laughs> oh, there's definitely a scene that looks like, I don't know, maybe Lakeland or some other dirt bag well, in Florida. Like, yeah, because they go to the fucking Florida Sturgis rally or what, <laughs> some shit where it's it just looks like they're in one of those cities where, you know, w- when they sweep the city, there's like a lot of dead bodies in it. <laughs> I know central and north, north central Florida in particular is like, you know, a post-apocalyptic wasteland. Oh, yeah. That's the thing about Orlando is it is the only thing in central Florida that is not just oof, ouch, owie when you are there. And it's because Disney is like, no, (laughs) fuck you. Yeah. But this there's at least one scene later where they end up where bad guys go to like this biker bar and it is some. Oh my god, it is it is raw uncut Florida. The part of Florida they don't want you to know about, the part that's not old people and and uh, you know, cool gays dancing in Miami. <laughs> and uh a little, I mean, that's later, but also some fun things, those bikers, real bikers paid in beer. I figured as much. Because there was no way they had that this dude knew that many extras who were toothless biker types. Also a hundred of them showed up to the film's premiere. <laughs> I'm sure they were super excited to see themselves. I bet they were. Man. I bet everyone at the premiere was super excited to have them show up. <laughs> That's also the only scene in the movie where there's nudity, which is the wildest thing. So you got to assume the women who were in that scene kicking their tops off and getting their tits squeezed by random bikers like, hell yeah, I got beer for that when they went to the premiere. <laughs> yeah, that definitely wasn't like a directorial choice. That was just them. That was just shit that was happening. Yeah. They were like, wait, I'm on camera. Woo! Yeah. <laughs> and then steel drums started playing in the back. <laughs> it was a pretty impressive sequence. But that doesn't happen for quite some time. Basically, the ninjas win the fight. I don't think they have a single casualty. Uh, and then they take the drug dealer, uh, the drugs to our primary antagonist. The movie's got like three or four antagonists. <laughs> uh, I would say maybe the head of the ninja clan is the actual primary. And he's certainly the climactic antagonist. Uh, antagonist but the, the the one you spend the most time with is this short bearded dude i think his name is jeff yep i think so yeah because we have god i think it's what's his name the name of the main villain is like yoshido or something yeah oh, uh, he's barely the main villain but he's the head of the ninja clan yeah he's storm shadow yeah you have jeff the leader of the drug dealers and then you have the leader uh, of the rival band. Yeah, the rival band leader who... God, I don't even know if he gets a name. <laughs> he's just around. I don't think he gets a name either. He he certainly doesn't get a band. He just yells about how he has one. Oh, yeah. That's the greatest thing. Because we go to, you know, Dragon Sound on stage. Mm-hmm. And they are playing the song Friends that has the lyrics of Friends Through Eternity, Loyalty, Honesty. Honesty. We'll stay together through thick or thin. Friends forever. We'll be together. We're on top because we play to win. Yep. <laughs> it is amazing. <laughs> oh, everything about Dragon Sound is amazing. They wear matching shirts. They're like orange sleeveless. Just uh, tank tops tank that tops. say Dragon Sound on them. And then have some, I think, Cantonese underneath that. Um, or no, it's probably not because it's, it's, uh, it's Korean. I think so. Yeah, so it's it's, it's Yeah, they uh the guy who plays uh his uncle in this was also one of the directors. Mm-hmm. They were in it together. Oh, okay. There were reshoots on the movie because that guy went back to Korea. <laughs> he was like, "Yeah, I'm out." 
<laughs> so, but the Dragon Sound t-shirt is the ultimate Halloween costume. It's very easy. Oh, yeah. Uh, but all of them are wearing these matching shirts. You've got you've got a Michael Phelps look. or Yeah, it's Michael? Michael Phelps? Ryan? Yep. Yeah. You got a Michael Phelps looking dude. You got, Oh, you got uh, a guy who looks exactly like Oates. Yep. <laughs> you got a dude who looks like the uh, we don't have to take our clothes off to have a good time guy. Ah! And then two background characters uh, who don't get as much to do as everyone else, and I can barely tell them apart. They both kind of look like, I don't know, Russian guys. <laughs> Just yeah. like some Russian guys. Definitely, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I don't think they are. One of them said that he was from Israel at one point. Yep. Uh, but anyway, yeah. They are they are playing some rockin', very, very... Uh, I, I don't know how I want to describe this. Flat-sounding hair metal. Like, they... they there's no tone modulations or anything. The, the song's friends for eternity, loyalty, honesty, we stay together through thick and thin. It's just, they don't, there's no like highlights or guitar solos or anything. It, no, no professional musician was really <laughs> doing much with this. It's very droney. Yes. That said, it rocks out loud and it'll get stuck in your head immediately. <laughs> the thing that I really take away from it is throughout this entire movie, how goddamned wholesome Dragon Sound is. Because all of their songs are just like, we're best friends and we like to party. Hey, we don't like violence. And you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> this whole thing sounds like it came from a hulk hogan cd yeah now the other thing that you got to note is that there's one extra person on stage the newest member of the band who as far as we can tell is according to this song is a member of the band in that she gets to be on stage uh and that's uh the michael phelps looking dude's girlfriend i think her name is jane jane yeah because there are too many j names in this there's john jack jim jane and jeff yes <sighs> jeff jeff <laughs> yes <laughs> this is Jeff Purdy. <laughs> God damn it. Anyway, uh, so she's just dancing on stage for this one, but this is when we get our introduction at, to the villains as the the head ninja comes in, uh, and with him is his w weird drug dealer friend who I don't even know how to describe him. He's got a full beard. He, he's got a feather for one of his earrings. He really... I want to say he reminded me a lot of Charlotte Copley. <laughs> oh, I can see, uh, yeah, like a with a weird earring, like a runty little Charlotte Copley. Yeah, okay, that's fine. I like kind of as of Elysium, maybe. Yeah, I mean, any of the ones where he's got a beard. Yeah, think of that, and you're very close. Yes, give him a full beard, give him a weird earring, and almost invariably like a camo tank top. Yeah, he just does not. Also, he's like far and away the shortest person in every scene. He's like five five, which is the big deal. So I, I stand short kings, no problem. But it's just funny because he keeps having to threaten this Michael Phelps looking motherfucker who is the size of Michael Phelps. Yeah, you have this like six six guy who's like boo, and he's like I'm gonna fight you if don't, I can reach your face. Don't date my sister. Good I'm so, God! I'm sorry. Who said that? Huh? <laughs> so, some my, are my shoes talking? <laughs> oh look at you hey buddy <laughs> oh i'm gonna put you right back on the christmas tree you fell off of <laughs> i'm gonna put you right in my pocket you're so cute <laughs> you're gonna be germs my invisible dog <laughs> uh yeah so that is jeff and so jeff and yoshido go have a conversation in the back while dragon sound is playing about what good friends they are now now jeff is his primary motivation in the film is that he is immensely pissed that anyone would ever date his adult sister yes jane is on stage and he's like "Ooh, she just kissed john and i hate anyone that kisses my sister mm -hmm. now keep in mind that everyone in this movie is like 27 
Yeah. They're not supposed to be, except for YK Kim, who's clearly 48. <laughs> Everyone else is like 27. So it's a very weird look that he's like, get the fuck away from my sister. No one dates my sister ever. You're like, come on, man. Dude. Like, <laughs> it's a weird motivation. Yeah. Like, I, I know a lot of people with sisters, and I don't know a single one of them who was ever like that ever. Nope. <laughs> I mean, granted, both of my sisters are older than me, so there was no reason for me to ever be like, I'm protective of them. That's true. My, I mean, my sister's 14 years younger than me, and I'm like, date away, sister. Do what you want. <laughs> Do what thou wilt. <laughs> that is the entirety of my give a fuck. I d- <laughs> You've always been more responsible than me anyway. <laughs> what you-, you should never take advice from me. Yeah. I'm terrible. <laughs> But he is incandescently angry that, that anyone dares to touch his sister. And and it's going to turn into pretty much the primary motiva- driving motivation of the movie. Oh, yeah. Because the other thing we get is we have the other band who's not really associated with either the drug dealers or the ninjas not until at first. later. Yeah, not at first. At first, they're just the rival band that that lost this gig. Because this is a recurring gig. They play at this club uh, at, like nightly or yeah. at, like five nights a week or something. So this is a regular gig for them. And they are replacing a previous band who was unreliable and unpopular. Yeah. The the club owner decided to give this gig to Dragon Sound and the unnamed other band was just like, no, that's our gig. How and, dare you? And, and to be clear, when we say other band, we mean one guy. Like, he, presumably, maybe the other thugs backing him up are his band. I assume but so. But we never hear that. Yeah, no. He definitely looks like whoever that fucking coked out guy from Die Hard was. <laughs> Honestly, he just looks like a slightly wider Jeff. Jeff. Like, like he just looks like another one of him. Another full beard short man. Uh, so it's it's just sort of like, uh, it, it, it's easy to forget that these are two different bad guys. <laughs> but the thing is, he is mostly mad at the, the club owner at first. Oh yeah. Uh, so we're we're not going to see much of him yet. Uh, after this performance, the, this rousing performance of uh, Friends for Eternity, uh, we go to an empty bar, and and this is the point where he comes in to threaten the the uh, the bar, the club owner, who incidentally looks like like half Woody Harrelson, half Will Forte. Yes. <laughs> It is astonishing. He is a nothing character. He pretty much only even talks in this scene. Oh, yeah. We see him in the background for several scenes. He's Mm -hmm. normally there whenever Dragon Sound is playing. They'll cut to him, and he's like, yeah, thumbs up, smiles. Mm -hmm. But this is the only scene he has anything to do. And when they threaten him, he's like, oh, I bet you didn't know this, but uh, I also know Taekwondo, and I will beat the shit out of your entire band. Because the entire cast is students. From from this dude's collection of, of uh, studios. But it made sense when it was like, oh, yeah, the entire thing for Dragon Sound is we're a band that is also Taekwondo fighters. Yes. Like, that's our gimmick. Okay, yeah. sure. But for the club owner to randomly also be like, no, I too kick ass. This isn't that weird to me. I mean, you know, but the Ninja Turtles are a, a team of, of mutant ninjas who live in the sewers and are trained by a rat. They make up a single close family unit. But it... Doesn't it ever strike you as odd that every single other mutant animal they they ever meet is like, I'm Ace Duck. I'm a ninja as well. But this would be like if April was a ninja. I mean, she kind of is. No. She's always she a kid. She isn't. always ends up being a playable character in all the games, and she kicks in a remarkable amount of ass. She's not a ninja, but she's definitely a fighter. <laughs> I'm really looking forward to it. There's a, there's a new retro-style Ninja Turtle side-scroll beat-em-up coming out. 
that has April as a playable character, and she incorporates lots of microphones into her moves, and I'm like, that's nice. rad. I really want to play that. Nice. Yeah. So anyway, uh, it, what... I really, he doesn't just threaten the club owner. This is a straight up hyper realistic tantrum that this dude from the, the previous band comes in. He's like, he's like, yeah, you have these fucking kids on the stage, man. These fucking little kids, little baby music for fucking idiot. Huh? You took my job away and I want my fucking job. And I'm, oh, I'm going to throw this chair. In my oh yeah. He's it's just like, I play real music for adults. And they play kitty music for kids. And the club owner's just like, yeah, but the people who come in here are kids and they like that music. Yeah. So get fucked. Take your sultans of swing playing ass out of here. Go find some kind of road bar. Uh, but after kicking all of their asses, the band decides, all right, well, we couldn't threaten the owner. Let's threaten dragon sound. Oh, yeah. Yeah. To be clear, what happens is after he throws a realistic tantrum, the club owner goes into Taekwondo mode. And as John just said, beats the beats the ass of every man that this this angry little uh, singer dude brought in with him. Oh, yeah. And, and sends them packing. And they're like, well, and we're going to fuck up the band. And somehow this <laughs> angry, shitty band leader has a ton of friends who are more than willing to be like, yeah, we'll all get baseball bats and threaten some band for no reason. I mean, let's be clear. Again, this is Florida cat, Florida dirtbag collection. <laughs> like, he just drove five minutes outside of Orlando to any random trailer park and was like, hey, who wants to be in a movie? I will pay you in a ride to the movie. Fuck. And they're like, holy shit, a ride in a car? <laughs> a real car? <laughs> uh, with wheels and everything? I live in one without. <laughs> now, it's fun to know. Uh, that Kim was so popular in mm -hmm. Orlando, like he was such a well-known and respected businessman, that the government and law for enforcement just allowed him to film anywhere he wanted to in the city without permits. Makes sense, because there's a lot of surprisingly stunty driving just randomly through the middle of Orlando in this. And one of the fights, I think it might be the one that's the band versus the other band and all their idiots, was stopped by police because they thought it was an actual fight. <laughs> Let me ask you a, a little uh, a hypothetical question here, John. Do you think it might be that this movie is named Miami Connection because when the uh, Orlando people who were so nice to him to let him film it all over his town saw what he was making, they were like, oh, well, we do love you making a movie in our town, but we don't want Orlando's name associated with toothless dirt bags All beating up getting beat up by ninjas over coke in our town why don't you name it after our sister city of miami <laughs> our sister city four hours away to the south <laughs> sister cities aren't usually close to each other yeah they're pretty close not usually yeah. the sister city to san diego is osaka <laughs> <laughs> well at least one of them is yeah. so anyway yeah. But yeah, so I'm just saying, it wouldn't surprise me if they were like, oh, well, thank you for making a movie about us, but could you say it's about Miami? <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, Orlando didn't mind that Kim was willing to spend, like, millions of dollars in mm -hmm. Orlando to film this. But he was filming this, and I'm not even ah. I'm not even judging it on quality. I think there may have been a, slaw, a population of Orlando citizens who were like, fuck yes, this dude's making a real fucking movie, and this is awesome. But they were just like, but wait, what's the movie about? Well, it's a gang of drug-dealing ninjas stealing drugs from drug-dealing dirtbags to sell to drug-dealing dirtbags who sell it to other drug-dealing dirtbags. But it's fine, because they get beat up by wholesome Taekwondo students. <laughs> and they were still like, yeah, but you've made it look like 90% of the country, of our... Uh, 
of our city is mostly like a shitty mafia. So maybe no. <laughs> Thank you, though. Uh, but yes, the uh, the Dragon Sound Band gets stopped by the unnamed band and hooligans. Mm-hmm. And a fight ensues where the five of them fight off like 20 guys with baseball bats. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a fun fight. We also get a scene of... Uh, what's his name? Jack or whatever the 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 Michael Phelps looking dude. Uh, John. 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 We have John and Jeff in this movie, and they're and they're uh, the primary John, fight- Jack, Jim, and Jeff. Yeah, but think about it. We have a John and a Jeff, and they spend a lot of time yelling at and fighting each other. Yeah, they hate each other. Mm, interesting. Mm. Makes you think. Mm. Huh. Anyway, uh, we have a scene where where John goes to pick up his girlfriend in a computer class. Remember that where the computer teacher's just like, "Hey, I want you to know that our coding team came in fourth. Let's give them all some love, everybody." And then he comes in and he like does this elaborate pantomime about how he wants. Jane to come outside with him. Oh, he's yeah. just doing like he's. I can't even he's exaggerate. Point to you. Point to me with both hands. Thumb over my shoulders to suggest that we should go. Point at my wrist to indicate that it's time for it, and then go big shrug. Oh yeah, and I'm just like, <laughs> she's very clearly in the middle of class. Like <laughs> maybe fuck off. And they have the best conversation. They've been dating for four months, and he's like, so do you have any family at all? And she's like, well, I have a brother, but I don't like him. And then she doesn't really go into, because he's a drug-dealing gang leader, weirdo, murderer, like, like off-the-grid, terrifying man, and just, he's mean. <laughs> yeah, ever since our parents died, it's just been us. Oh, your parents died? What about your family? My parents are also dead. That's this a- entire <laughs> band is now two th- things in addition to being taekwondo experts we're also all orphans yeah they are all orphans they all live together they are all in a band they are all taekwondo experts it is a very uh they're a very close band it's a tight-knit group Mm -hmm. but uh yeah the two of them are walking around being in love and and she's like i haven't even told my brother yet that i am a member your newest member of dragon sound the band i don't know how he'll take it but when we meet him let me do the talking and He's then, mean. and then they meet him right away because he comes up with his giant truck army and parks stupidly and gets out. And he's like, "Hey, stay the fuck away from my sister. Who are you? What the what the audacity? You, you shut up and don't date anybody." Yeah, and you know, John's just like, "Uh, hey, man, chill out. I'm just dating your sister. It's okay. It's nice to meet you. I I hope we can. There's no need for violence. Uh huh. And and uh, Jeff's having none of it. Jeff is very mad. Yeah. Jeff immediately punches him in the face. Yes. This causes the rest of Dragon Sound to simply appear as if from the ether. <laughs> oh hell yeah! They're like, <laughs> oh, we heard there was a rumble. We need one more of those. Uh, and this is also this is the first time this this rumble is the first time you hear YK Kim talk. Oh yeah. This is the first speaking line for for any of them really because Dragon Sound plays but you only hear the lead singer uh which we are I'm not, I could not even tell you which one of them it was supposed to be. Uh I think it's Phelps. Maybe? I don't know. You don't see any of their lips moving. No, cuz you have you have Jim on the drums. It feels like you have a Mar- Jim or Maurice on drums and then everyone else is the lead guitarist. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's, there's three lead guitarists, a drummer, and a keyboardist. Yeah. <laughs> but YK Kim comes in to break up the fight, and this is the first time you get to hear his, you know, uh, very, very thick Korean accent. Yeah. Which is kind of a fun little peppering throughout the movie. I'm not going to try and do it, but he just runs up and he's like, get away from him. We're not scared of you at all. <laughs> <laughs> 
but he has an accent that you're like, man, no, no drug dealing leader guy in in uh, fucking Florida in the eighties is going to take this seriously. <laughs> I absolutely love him. He's great. He's fantastic. He's <laughs> for someone that is very clearly English as a second language. Oh yeah, and has never acted before. He has a certain level of charisma where I love watching him do stuff. <laughs> What he really has, he doesn't so much bring either acting talent or diction to the role, so much as unbelievable commitment. Oh, his absolute enthusiasm for what he is doing. Yeah. You're like, you can tell this is his passion project, and I love it. Honestly, what I kind of got away from this is that this is the reason this dude's like a hyper successful businessman around the Orlando area and beloved by everybody is that he is always at 110%. Oh, yeah. That this isn't it. That this is also the way he, he runs his dojo at this speed, too. <laughs> All of them. Ugh. This dude is just like I don't. I don't slow down. I I have one speed, <laughs> and it's fuck. <laughs> but yeah, he uh, he basically repels the the gang members uh, by by being like, "We're not scared of you. Back off." And you know, there's a bit of a confrontation, but they're like, "Oh, you will stay away from my sister." Yeah. Anyway, we're leaving. Yeah. <laughs> And this is th at this point, the movie is now about ready to enter into its comfortable rotation cycle, because this is going to be after the scene where they repel this gang invasion. Uh, we get a brief shot of like the ninjas at their ninja training camp so we can establish that there's a ninja training camp. Yeah, the Orlando ninja training camp where they are very clearly at a public park doing the worst dance moves, not in sync. Yes. And then we go to the best parts of this movie in general, the House of Dragon Sound. God, the House of Dragon Sound, where all of them live together and are in various states of disrobing. Mm -hmm. One of them incapable of buttoning his pants. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's that's Oates. Oates just wants you to know what what his underwear look like at any given. He's usually walking around in like bike shorts and nothing else. Oh no, he comes home and he's like. When I get home, shirt comes off, buttons undone, mm -hmm. zippered down halfway, and now daddy's comfortable. Yeah, Oates has a look. Oates, the look that Oates has is, uh, oh, geez, it, it's the same, per, uh, it's, oh, God, what's his name from uh, from Drew Carey's show, Rex Quando, that guy. No idea. Ah, shit, I'm going to have to Google his name, but he's also the, the next door neighbor in Office Space. Oh, yeah. You know who I'm talking about yes. now. And he looks like all three of those characters at all the time. Ah. Luckily, they all, they're all played by the same guy. But like he, he looks exactly like the next door neighbor in office space where he's just like, well, I'm here at, the, at home. Time to get my shirt off and put my hand on my dick. <laughs> <laughs> this is what I do. Yeah, no, the uh, <laughs> the whole thing with everyone inside of there is absolute Diedrich Bader, by the way. Diedrich fucking Bader. Okay. Thank Diedrich you, laptop man. You are so welcome. Okay. Uh, but yeah, everyone in here is just like the most playfully not quite at gay porn yet, but you're like, you are one baseline away from this turning into porn. I mean, based on what I've read about how the porn industry works, they'll often film all the sex teen stuff first and then go through and film all what they call like the, uh, the fluff or the filler. Yeah. And, uh, you, you get the impression that these dudes are all moist and dewy from doing it <laughs> and and they're doing the filler scenes which no one wants to do oh yeah they're all very comfortable in mm -hmm. very very little amount of clothing they're all very touchy yeah and and they this, live like a family 
Oh yeah, and they are a family. They're a found family. They're all orphans. Yeah, but we this is the the opening scene of them all in their house is the one where we learned that um, Jimmy Jim 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 the uh, the he's the the only black member of Dragon Sound. Yes, uh, and he lets us all know my mother was Korean and my father was Black American. Black American. <laughs> she gave me this picture when she was real sick. I was only nine years old, mm-hmm. and we see a picture of his father and. That's going to be a weird little side story of I found out now where my father is after, you know, probably 15 years. He has for a long time thought that his father died in like the Korean War, probably. Yeah, he went off to fight. Yeah. And um, I never heard from him past when I was nine because my mom got sick and died. But I never heard from that he was dead either. No, so I've, just I've, lived, I've lived like an orphan, but I've always held out hope that he might be alive. And so I've written letters to the Department of Defense, hoping they can help me lo- locate my dad. And they occasionally send me these letters that say they haven't found him recently. But what the scene is set up with is is one of the other housemates refusing to give him his mail. Oh, yeah. Phelps in like some real tight short shorts is mm-hmm. like, eh, <laughs> I won't give you the letter and eh, just dancing around him. Why do you want it so bad? Here's your mail. Never mind. And the, poor Jimmy is getting like red faced is shouting angry. Oh, Jim gets so angry. And then he finally gets the letter and open it. And he cries real fucking tears on camera because he is committed yeah he's a hundred percent literally one of the random two russian looking extras in the background also breaks down oh yeah the empathy in the room is palpable as he's like they they still didn't find my dad and and i was nine years old and i had no one and the guy in the back is just starting to cry as he cries and you're like fuck yes this is a family I don't care about the band. I want to watch these people live in their house. And then, uh, you know, you get YK Kim's character, whose name Mark Mark comes in and he's like, he's like, hey, I thought you were an orphan. I thought we were all orphans. I did not know you had a father. You know, he's like, that is a handsome father you have. Like he's obviously YK Kim is not going to play. He he plays him like a Hulk Hogan character. No faults. Oh, yes. No faults at all. But it is kind of funny. His incredulity that (laughs) that there might be a a non-orphan in Dragon Sound. Someone had a parent. (laughs) This is highly unorthodox. I'm going to need to convene the Council of Dragon Sounds. Uh, So that'll be. A weird little background thing that in the middle of having to fight like ninjas and drug dealers and another band, just every half hour we'll come back to, oh, hey, your dad. Yeah. Yeah. Giving that character something to do, which gives uh, out of the members of Dragon Sound, three of them have anything to do. Yeah. The other three are around. Oats probably more than the other two because he's fucking very visible. Oh, yeah. There's no missing Oats when he's on screen. (laughs) Yeah, no, Jack and Tom are just sort of like, and we are here. They give both of them one scene. Jack, I, I, well, I don't know which one's which, but one of them gets, there's an extended scene that, that's just showing how uh, how good YK Kim is at Taekwondo training. Yes. Uh, where he beats up like three of his, oh, fake beats up like three of his own uh, band members. In the most slow motion, very clearly just like, I will punch at you. Ah, you hit me. They're just doing their training and they're very slow about it. And it's funny because every single moment of it, you think, oh God, what a wastely padding of time. Every In the climactic final fight of the movie, every move that YK Kim does here is used again. It is 
so good. Because I was like, fuck, this is terrible. Yeah. This is just because he owns the dojos, but no. Well, I'm going to still say yes. I mean, ultimately, this scene, yeah, technically, there's a callback to the scene at the end where they use every move again, but this scene is still really boring, and it's just here for no other purpose than to be called back later. <laughs> love it. I'm not saying I don't love it. I absolutely love it, because there is one other thing that the, that happens during that scene that does get called back differently in a different part of the movie later that's the greatest thing ever, and that is Y.K. Kim's penchant for grabbing his other band members with his feet by the nose. Barefoot, like big toe, <laughs> grabbing their nose, and then walking them around. <laughs> he does this so much. We first see it here, and you're like, oh... Oh, no, but he also does a move where he straight sticks his fist into one of his students' mouths. Yes. And not like, I punched you, but like, slow motion just shoves it in there. Yeah, and the guy's just got his mouth open like, yeah, put your fist in there, daddy. I mean, <laughs> sensei, I mean, teacher, whatever, whatever, whatever I mean, we're going to... roommate. Roommate, uh, band guy, I, put your fist in my mouth, I'm into it. Oh, are we filming that right now? I thought we were still doing filler. <laughs> It is amazing. <laughs> Careful with the merchandise, boss. Uh, and then the other one gets one scene at all in the movie, which is where he weirdly points out that finding out that that Jim is half Korean means that everyone in the band is international, and therefore uh, Dragon Sound is truly an international band, and they should do an international tour where they go to each of the lands that each of the band members are from. For example, uh, Phelps is from Ireland, so we should go to Ireland and play it, it where, where Phelps is from. And of course, you, Mark, you are Korean. We should play in Korea or in Israel, which is where I am from. I did not know your parents were from Israel. Yes, they are. And I would like to honor them by playing there with our international band Dragon Sound. <laughs> yep. So now we get another thing. They are all in a band. They're all roommates. They're all Taekwondo experts. They're all orphans, kind of. Mm -hmm. And they are all international. <laughs> but it's the only scene that that actor gets. He just uh, has I'm, one weird scene at a picnic bench explaining how he's from Israel and they should play there sometime. I am going to go ahead and let you know that is almost certainly because during reshoots that they did for this, that actor helped with the reshoots. So he was probably like, give me a fucking scene. I was, I'm available. <laughs> give me a scene and I'll help. <laughs> okay, fine. You can talk about how the band is great. Great. Well, fine. That's what the whole movie is, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I really, these are the highlight points that I want to get to, because ultimately now we're at a point where we're jumping around a little bit. But what we're jumping around from is is a, a barely deviated cycle of the band goes out somewhere nonchalantly, are attacked by one of the multiple giant gangs in town that hates them, <laughs> repels them and gets away. Because we get one where there's like a car chase down what looks like the city center of New Orleans. We get one where they voluntarily go to a rumble at like a train yard. Well, yeah, because there's a point where one of them gets captured. That's a different one. This is before that. This is they just go to a train yard rumble. The one where Oates gets captured because he's the last one to come into the building. He's like, I'm going to check the mail by myself or yeah, something. Because they all go to like Uncle uh, Song, Song's Uncle Song's restaurant, who has what looks like a pizza parlor, mm -hmm. but they drive up there. Everyone gets out and goes into the restaurant. Oates parks the car and then is kidnapped and nobody notices. Yeah, people go and have food in the restaurant. They ne they're ne no one's like, hey, where's Oates? That never happens. Yeah. 
I also I also love the incidental dialogue that happens in all the restaurant scenes you have because they just use ADR to bring it in. So there's just people saying like, "What is this, Uncle Song? You have to give us the recipe for this amazing meal." And they're eating fried rice, and it's like, "Come on, man, you guys know how to make fucking fried rice." <laughs> no one needs to give you the recipe for this. <laughs> Fried rice is literally made of leftovers. That's the point of fried rice. Yeah, it's I had too much white rice last night. Now I have fried rice. Like any, anyone who knows fried rice will tell you that you don't make rice to make fried rice. You make rice to make other shit and you use rest yesterday's rice to make fried rice. It's better that way. Yeah. Cold leftover rice. Yeah, it's so good. But anyway, um, Oates gets kidnapped and that rumble takes place at like a, an abandoned junkyard. radio tower junkyard. Yeah. Because he's tied to an abandoned radio tower, and a bunch of the Florida dirtbag types, because this was Jeff kidnapping, not a ninja kidnapping, a bunch of the, ra- the dirtbag types are like, I'm going to blow his arms off one by one. I'm going to pull him apart like a cricket. Well, and- that's because at this point, the band who has had no success threatening the club owner or the band itself hires Jeff and his goon squad mm-hmm. to either murder or intimidate dragon sound into leaving the job yes uh the this is this is something that happens in jeff's base of operations which is a gym uh the gym is always has a thousand rednecks in it yep Uh, a thousand perfect rednecks usually most of them are working out especially one of them has a girlfriend who is consistently focused on working out yep uh just so they can show her working a chest machine um but the rest of them, a lot of them are just standing around drinking beer in the in the room. Oh, yeah. And the other thing you see here is Jane coming in because, you know, Jeff's her brother. So she goes to visit him from time to time. Uh, and and she, she walks in in like 100 pounds of school teacher clothes every time. And every time there's like three dudes who are like, hey, baby, hey, let me direct you to my wiener dick. <laughs> ah, my wiener dick. I'm allowed to date you because I'm in your brother's whole gang operation. <laughs> And, you know, she goes to the brother to be like, hey, can you uh, stop being a giant asshole drug dealer and let me date someone? No. No. You listen to me now. I pay for you to have a nice life. And what I, and that means I want you to focus on your studies and not date any man in the world. <laughs> when our parents died, you were no longer allowed to date any men. I took control. And you don't know what I've done to protect you. And now... I will keep protecting you. Now go home. I don't want to talk about it any further. Walk past my hoot squad. <laughs> I'm not mad at them. I want that very clear. Because they're not actually dating you. They're just terrible. Hooting is in their nature. They're like owls. <laughs> in that they probably live in barns. Uh, there is... Yeah, the rumble where they get into a fight at like a train yard. Yeah, there's a train connecting yard one fight that's broken up by the police uh, by showing police. up and it is actual police officers who show up to this and <laughs> the officers are so nervous to be on camera that you can see one of them point their gun at their partner's midsection. <laughs> Yeah, and they have a couple of lines that are clearly ADR'd in, and it's just like, where'd everybody go? We never get to a fight in time. Yeah. I'm just like, wow. Kim is apparently so beloved by this city, he can get actual cops to do scenes for him. Mm -hmm. Great. Yeah. Well, it was the 80s. Cops hadn't yet realized that they hate everybody but cops. (laughs) (laughs) Ugh. But yeah, it's like we said, this is mostly just going back and forth between doing a song having a rumble 
And then eventually we also get the information that uh, Jim's dad is going to come visit him. Yeah. And he'll show up in like a week to reunite with his long lost son yeah now that that's a climactic moment because because it's going to kick off kind of the the climax of the film the things i want to talk about though are the part where uh the band leader guy goes to visit jeff to ask him for his help because he's you know he has to make his way past the gauntlet of goons in jeff's room or uh jim but when he finally gets to jeff he's like look i want to hire you to take care of a band for me i should warn you before you go after them every one of them is a black belt in taekwondo and they are excellent fighters <laughs> All of them are very handsome, but especially Mark. <laughs> uh, and also, we, all of them are uh, definitely 19 or 20 years old, especially Mark. He's the most 19 years old. Uh, also, the scene where they go to the, where uh, Jeff and the ninja leader uh, go to the biker bar. Oh, yeah. There's an entire biker bar scene, which is a very uh, again, I'm going to borrow something from Red Letter Media here. Uh, it's a very shoot the rodeo uh, scene, which th that's their term for. Uh, um, when a, when a B movie finds an event that's just happening that they can point cameras at and just add it to the movie. So the movie's longer and it looks like they put some money into it. Oh yeah. So this is just a gathering of bikers. Yes. And some of them are ones that they have used for like, you know, Jeff's goons or things like that. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, it's just <laughs> random bikers at a random bar. Yep. And we don't even really know why they're there. I think they're there to like have a meet or to recruit people or something. I think because uh, it's Yoshido who goes there. Yes. And Jeff is also there. So I think it's recruiting them to like be hired muscle for the fight against the band. It might be. It might be that they hire them to get the band at all. I, I, I don't know. I mean. Jeff Jeff's gonna die in this movie off screen. Uh, kind of gets pushed off screen and dies when at yeah, the end he, of a fall. He gets pushed off screen and therefore is no longer in the movie. <laughs> so at that point, that's when Yoshida declares a a a, a revenge uh, because he's like, "Oh, you you killed the guy that we give drugs to. Now now I got now I need a new drug leader to give drugs to." But we didn't know it until this. But he's like, "Yes." Jeff was my brother. He was my great friend, and I shall avenge him. And I'm like, really? Because every other thing we've seen, it seemed like he was just the guy who you gave coke to. Yeah, yeah. But um, the the biker bar scene is amazing. It's all these like actual bikers and their actual biker like like ladies, like just yep. just drunkenly traipsing around, w waving their their biker lady boobs at each other. Yeah, just it's very very weird. Yep, and it. I mean, it really is just, yeah, we went to some bar and filmed it. That's it. Mm -hmm. And 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 that's it. And then uh, basically we have our, the, the there's like four or five rumbles we've already described. The rumble at the radio tower is the climactic rumble because obviously Oates has been captured. He's tied to the radio tower. Uh, our band rolls up to fight them. Uh, they get into a big old brawl where everyone's got random junkyard weapons. Oh, yeah. Like just the corner piece of PVC pipe. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think one of them has a, like, it looks like a broom handle. I'd say the weirdest thing about the rumble scenes is that it's pretty quickly revealed that while almost everybody in the band is a competent Taekwondo martial artist, only Je or, uh, John and Mark are actually very good. Yeah. The rest of them, mostly they'll show them throwing a punch or something, but it's very movie, you know, just like cut to a punch, cut away from the punch, show someone reeling, except for Jim. Jim can't fight for shit. <laughs> uh... 
Jim does not know. He he participates. He goes to the rumbles and so on, but he's always getting the shit kicked out of him and needs to get rescued. Aww. And this is it's never more obvious than here in the climax fight uh, that that Jim just should not be participating. I don't know if he's just in a delicate state because of the news about his dad or what the deal is. Aww. Uh, <laughs> God, I just remember the fucking scene after they find they get the letter that says he's going to meet his dad, where Kim comes, run, Mark comes running in, and he's just like, "That's amazing news. We're gonna, you're gonna meet him at the airport. Everyone, how much money do each of you have?" Give me all of your money. We need to get Jim a suit. And he gets dressed up like a carpet salesman. Yep. This nice sort of light blue suit Mm -hmm. that mostly looks like it's, I don't know, made out of like the bottom of a carpet. It looks like they took it off a dead guy. (laughs) It's not a great suit, but it's fine. It's fine. Uh, But yeah, I just wanted to mention that because it's great. But when they rescue Oates, this is the climactic Jeff fight. And of course, it's Mark Mark V. Jeff. And Mark has like, I think, a Boken type wooden sword thing. And Jeff has two nail bats. Yeah, I don't understand what was going on there, but he's dual wielding nail bats. It's awesome. And, you know. They have a little fight, and he gets kicked off screen. He gets kicked off the radio tower. Off screen, you hear him fall and thump, and that's yeah. the end of him. We do get a shot of him on the ground with blood, you know, pooling around his head. Yeah. But, you know, it's not like we're going to show him fall. We don't have money for that. No. So he just gets kicked off of, you know, screen, and then we cut to him being on the ground. <laughs> then they rescue they rescue Oates and get him home, and then the very next scene is just okay. It's time to take uh, it, it's time to take Jim to meet his dad. What do you think, Oates? You gonna come with us? Nah, brother. I'm gonna stay here and hang out in the smallest shorts in the world. <laughs> yeah, me and uh, Jack, the other guy who have or Jack and Tom, Jack and Tom, we're gonna hang out here because we're the two who don't have business. Yeah, and Oates. One of my favorite things here is is they show Oates. He he is unmistakably clad in in fire engine red, three inch long short shorts, and a three sizes too small blue tank top. Uh, he it, also I, I I don't know if I can stress this any more than I already have, but Oates has an ultimate power mullet and a giant '80s mustache. Yes, so he is the most recognizable person in this in this film, and that's counting Mark, who is YK Kim, <laughs> and that's. Counting Jim, the only black person. And, and that's also counting Michael Phelps, the guy who looks like Michael Phelps and is like <laughs> six foot five. I mean, he's actually played by Vincent Hirsch, not Michael Phelps. I want to make this clear. Yes. Michael Phelps was definitely not alive in 1987. <laughs> um, or was he? I don't know how old he is. Uh, what, am I, what, am I, what am I saying? I don't fucking care. <laughs> uh, anyway. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yes. But the, thing, the reason I wanted to point this out, I wanted to point out that that's what uh, Oates is wearing. Is because as they drive away, Oates fires off a mock salute from the front yard. You're like, that's the end of him. And then they pull into, they they do a road establishing shot. Uh, As they're driving away from the house, they pass a park. Very clearly at the park, there's Oates again in that same outfit outfit playing baseball now. I don't know how he got over there, but it's it's unmistakably just, either that or there's just more than one of that guy. Yeah, no, it's it's very clearly we set up a cam- we have one camera. Yes, we set up a camera to show the car leaving the house, mm-hmm. and then we set up the camera again later for a shot of the car driving away. Yes, and then they needed background elements, and so they were just like, "You guys go out just there go and look, the park. just go be extras playing baseball in the park." And Oates is like, "Should I change? I I'm 
I'm in the most recognizable weird outfit. I'm dressed like Kentucky porn Superman. Do you want me to like? Do you want me to like change or anything? And they're like, no, nah, it doesn't matter. It's fine. No one will notice. <laughs> it's 1987. No one will ever see a high def print of this. Oh, <laughs> uh, the uh, <laughs> god damn it! Yeah, the squad heads off and they leave. Uh, Oates and Israel and girlfriend behind yes so it's just mark and john and jim mm. who are gonna go off but they get stopped by a entire biker gang of ninjas who are no longer bikers by day and ninjas by night now they are just biker ninjas 24 7 yeah the death of jeff has has uh has changed their very nature he 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 uh, broke the unbroken seal that separated their natures into daytime and nighttime. Now they are ninjas bikers by dawn and dusk. They are crepuscular everything. <laughs> so a bunch of uh, bikers that are ninjas stop the car, and instead of just plowing through them and going on their merry way, mm -hmm. as they had the opportunity to do it in at least three separate rumbles. I can't tell you how honorable Dragon Sound is here. Oh, yeah. Dragon Sound instead decides to get out of the car and honorably fight the ninjas that have swords. Mm -hmm. And this is the near death of Jim as he gets sliced across his chest and the movie pivots hard. Yeah, all of a sudden it turns into one of those like angry, screaming, fight people in the woods movies where the oh, movie is yeah. no longer about an adorable band of college student orphans, international tri taekwondo black belt uh, me uh, band members. And instead, it's two crazy. Oh, it's just American ninja now yeah. as they murder their way through a Orlando children's park. <laughs> it just turns into straight up all vengeance all the time as Kim and Phelps go absolute do uh, like a hog wild murder fiesta. Oh, they are shirts off, stolen katanas, covered in blood, mm -hmm. screaming murder as they dispatch ninja after ninja. Yeah, effectively the movie turns or the movie yeah, the movie turns into fucking Samurai Jack for the last 10 minutes. For for some reason, just the hard pivot here yeah. is just like, "Hey, we're goofy and we'll taekwondo, but we we never really do it. We've never killed anyone except for the accident that was Jeff, and now they turn into absolute murder monsters yeah you, you you never see michael phelps so angry he's there's a point where kim becomes more determined because it's his job to kill yashida he's ba so basically you get your your uh your snake eyes v storm shadow fight when the two of them square off and and kim uses every one of the moves he demonstrated in the taekwondo training session uh and and he's just like i am going to fight you but i'm not crazy and then every time it cuts back to to uh <laughs> to John, John is roaring at the top of his lungs, covered in slashes, <laughs> rising up from mud like it's Apocalypse Now to kill guys and then vanishing into the underbrush. Oh, yeah. He and turns into Blanca. <laughs> this dude <laughs> just straight up goes Rambo first blood on these motherfuckers. <laughs> And there's a, the, the scene where they get the, the technical battle square off between Yoshida and, and Mark, where they have swords and they're like, you know, testing each other and so on. There was nothing I wanted because they're fighting against a very th dense thicket of undergrowth behind them. Mm -hmm. There was nothing I wanted more for them to fight to get rudely interrupted by Phelps just bursting, screaming out of the underbrush. and. Oh, yeah, because <laughs> they are fighting against a 
just a wall of greenery. Incredibly solid background. And I just wanted it to burst open like like an elephant charge went through it and just see Phelps come out. Just <laughs> complete bloody madman. Just murder Rashida and run off into the night. Uh, fun thing to note for this final fight between Mark and Yoshido uh, is that Yoshido stays masked in his all-white getup the whole time because the guy who up until this point who played Yoshido left. Yes. And it had to be Jeff who came in and played Yoshido now. That was fairly clear. The dude was a little shorter and clearly white because you could see you could see his white guy hands. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, we, he uses every one of the cool moves that he demonstrated in the Taekwondo training session earlier. Ah, I will not look at you. I will look away. Attach me with a knife. Ah, I take your knife and stab you with it. Th- thus, the death of Yoshida is assured. Yeah. In the original movie, and why they did a lot of extensive reshoots is, at the end of this, when they take Jim to the hospital, uh, in the original version, Jim dies. Yeah, I was gonna. Uh, yeah, and uh, that's a huge bummer, and nobody liked it. Yes, and so, but but he should die. He gets he gets absolutely gut stabbed, and then well, he doesn't. He gets sliced across the chest. Sliced across the chest. But the next move that Mark thinks is, I got to get him away from this fight. I'll drag him into that nice Florida's fen water over there. Oh yeah, there's a tiny little dirt creek that you're like, oh. You're definitely splashing every disease into that open wound. He'll be okie-dokie in the okie finoki. <laughs> I'll drag him to the protection of the alligators. But instead, the movie ends with Jim lives, and this is the first point where someone, uh, his dad is there at the hospital, mm-hmm. and someone talks to him, and they're like, hey, Mr. Brown, your son is going to be okay. And that's when I was like, wait a minute. This motherfucker's name is Jim Brown. He's James Brown. Mm-hmm. Fuck you, movie. <laughs> Fuck you. You got me right at the end with <laughs> telling me that this guy's name is James Brown. I mean, isn't Jim Brown also that dude that killed all the people in that cult? No, that's Jim Jones. Oh, Jim Jones. My bad. Well, different different cult. <laughs> different cult. Different cult. You, you forgot the one I'm talking about. <laughs> there is a Jim Brown. Isn't there like the, the abolitionist guy? Oh, okay. Nope. <laughs> Also different not guy. different guy. Okay, that was like John Brown or something like that, wasn't uh, it? Anyway, uh, yeah, it's great because you have this random extra dude who's just like, "Oh, I'm I'm Jim Brown's uh, Jim Brown's dad." Let me real quick, Mark. Mark, you're very important and good. You have saved my son's life. I'll never be able to impay, repay you. That said, I do understand now the power of Taekwondo and cool bands. <laughs> Uh, the also, thing I thought I found amazing was that the movie has absolutely no resolution whatsoever for the John and Jane plot where, you know, well, Jeff is dead, so no one's going to stop him getting together now. Yeah, but her brother's dead. Even if she didn't like him very much, there's no fallout from that. There's no part where she's like, wait, my brother wait, was you murdered my brother. My brother's been murdered. That's no, I mean, there's the one scene <laughs> before they take off with Jim to go to the airport where she's like, well, my brother's dead. Yeah. Oh well. <laughs> and you're like, okay, I I'm guess sure you you're excited to meet your dad. <laughs> yeah. She mentions it once and seems to not care. Not in the slightest, yeah. <laughs> also, we we establish at one point, we skipped right over it, but there because it's part of the cycle of the film, but we establish why she's in the band. Uh, she doesn't just a groupie who gets to dance on stage. She's a second lead singer because they have the the song "Against the Ninja," uh, where she's the she is uh, the actual lead singer in that one. Yes, which has "Against the Ninja." We will fight the battle to win. Mm-hmm. Against the ninja, we will fight to battle the sin. Yes, <laughs> and the 
entire audience apparently knows this song because they all do the callback of Tai Quan, Tai Quan. Yes, because there's <laughs> the, the, the the song's only real chorus is someone is the, everyone on the stage going Tai Quan, Tai Quan, <laughs> and everyone in the band knows to do that. Everyone in the audience is like, yes, we've heard this song mm-hmm. and we know the callbacks. We will say Tai Quan. There's a couple other minor moments we skip, like the part where. Uh, a random collection of of gang heavies who are not affiliated with any of the three major gangs walk at, skip out on a bill at Uncle Song's restaurant. Oh yeah, and then he goes outside, and kicks all their asses. Yep, and that that's just. And then as he's finishing kicking their asses, the band pulls up and they're just like, "Are you okay?" And he's like, "Well, I kicked all their asses, but they still didn't pay for their meal." <laughs> yeah, I didn't, you know, rob them after I beat the shit out of them because I'm honorable. Yes, I'm just. Just wanted to let you know that if anybody in this movie even gets a name, they definitely get to kick someone's ass at some point. It's a very giving movie. Oh, it gives. So but, there you uh, go. Yeah, there you go. That is fucking the Miami connection. Yeah. There's really not much to the ending. You get the scene between Mark and Jim's dad, and then like Phelps is like, ah, you're never going to get out of Dragon Sound, Jim. Ha 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 Credits. Yeah, we get like some line from... <laughs> mark where he just like turns to the camera and is like until we end all violence there will not be peace oh, that's right like, oh okay. it's, it's written on the screen it's a it's a it's a uh it, it's tossed up on a title card uh, yeah until we end all violence the world will never know peace and then it's like quoted to somebody and then that's the last frame of the film and that's it yeah uh so there you go no, this is fun so uh <laughs> let's go ahead and get into our bests and worsts then uh, Jeff, what is your favorite thing from this movie? Give me a small little thing that you love. John, my favorite thing about this movie is all the scenes in it and the people that were in those scenes. And the music uh-huh. and the choreography. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I liked just, yeah, I'm going I'm to try and really narrow it down. No, I mean, my favorite part is is almost definitely the couple songs by the band when they're on stage. Oh, yeah. Uh, Against the Ninja and Friends for Eternity in particular are just like, there's so much fun and they're they're awful awful songs but they are <laughs> they are very infectious and just so much fun to watch. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean <laughs> YK Kim is up there with a guitar just absolutely slamming his hands into yep, it just not having even a, pretending just having a good time. And there's a third song they perform and I think that's the other one about friendship that's not friends for eternity, but in that one he doesn't even play a guitar. Instead he start he wanders around the the stage barefoot and grabs band members by the nose with his feet and leads them around. Yeah, that one's during Taekwondo family. Yes. <laughs> where you're just like what are why? <laughs> So I love every moment when they're on stage being a band. That shit's just great. Hmm. There's the band is so dumb and yet every song stays in your head. Yeah. So what about you? What's your favorite thing? Oh God. I, (laughs) there are so many things to love about this, Mm -hmm. but honestly the hard pivot to murder town is absolutely amazing. It is. It is absolutely. It's another step in what I'm saying is makes us such a great bad movie night movie. Because uh, it has this... A dramatic pivot. This turn that comes out of nowhere. Because everything you've seen about these characters up until this point is like, they're like fun and happy and jolly and, you know, they'll do fights, but they don't kill anyone. And then just like, oh, you hurt our friend. It's time to murder 
all of you. We're going to kill 45 people <laughs> with swords in the next three minutes of screen time. It is absolutely jaw-droppingly amazing. Yeah, it's not often that you come across a movie that has that much of a dramatic, crazy turn at the end, and it makes a perfect thing for a bad movie night, because everyone's starting to settle in, they're getting a little bored, the movie feels like it's been going on a while, and then, Jesus, what the fuck? <laughs> oh, yeah, because you think, you're like, oh, they're going to go see Jim's dad or whatever, and then it's just murder time for the next ten minutes. Yeah, so I, I definitely see that. Uh, worst thing in the movie for you? I mean, ultimately, the f I'm going to go with the opening 10 minutes just because they're kind of boring and don't set up any of the characters. I mean, they're not bad. The, mostly, the movie is pretty consistently fun all the way through. It, the, the worst it is is incompetent in a very funny way. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to say the first 10 minutes, which are kind of ploddingly serious and don't set up much other than there are biker ninjas, Yeah, uh, is, is my least favorite part. Okay. What about you? I mean... <laughs> probably just the biker bar scene it didn't do anything <laughs> it was just hey we've got some some footage of this we yeah should put it, this in here you're you're not wrong it's it's not an important scene uh it, it's very disjointed from the rest of the film the rest of the film is kind of like wholesome uh with a little bit of violence mixed in and then for like a split second you're at like a drunken tits out uh bike party yeah and it's just like what what is wh why is this here i don't know there was a drunken tits out bike party in town and i had a camera and i went there and that's what we did yeah okay great mm -hmm. good so uh, yeah i can see that yeah all right so let's go ahead and each of us are going to give the film a rating zero to five which will give us our overall rating out of ten jeff this is a really hard one because it's not a good movie it's not well made it's it's uh well this is honestly i'm gonna go ahead and tell you in the same way that I rated Truth or Dare a five because it wormed its way into my soul and would not let go, you can go ahead and rate this however you want. I, no, I always rate them however I want. I'm not beholden to anybody, uh, but I'm going to give it, I, I think I'm going to give it a three and a half uh, because it is an awful lot of fun. Yeah. It really, it's it's incompetent. It's, it's not well made. The characters are stupid. Uh, it, it's... It's frankly very dumb, but it is so much fun to watch. Oh, yeah. It's, it absolutely meets all the criteria of a cult classic. It's, it's, a, it's a hidden gem of a film. That said, that's still not like... Uh, I would even give Rocky Horror a five, so I'm, I'm going to give it a three and a half uh, and edging very close to giving it a four. I'm not going to lie. Okay. There's a chance, depending on what you say right now, that I might jump to four. I'm going to give it a four. I might jump to four. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do that. Let's give it an eight. 8 out of 10, it is a movie that deserves the cult classic title. Mm -hmm. It is so incompetently fun and just in that very earnest way that you don't get so much anymore because when people make a bad movie, they're making a bad movie. Oh, And you yeah. get shit like Sharknado where you're like, yeah, this is just bad on purpose. You can you can see the difference. There's a line that people cross. Like the the easiest thing, to, the the best litmus test for what happens if you give an incompetent person money and Hollywood support is the difference between Birdemic and Birdemic Two. Oh. Because Birdemic is like one dude was like, I'm gonna make a fucking movie about killer birds. I have a computer and three actors and five dollars and five hundred dollars, <laughs> and here it is all on screen. And then everyone was like, It's a cult classic. We'll give you thirty million dollars and an assistant director to make the next one. Oh, whoops, it's boringly competent. Yeah. No, there's a very clear 
time where you get to the point where you're like, oh, you're trying to capture yeah. what a bad movie is instead of it happening, and it's bad. These movies still exist. They're just harder, and they require a certain degree of absolute madness on the part of the... Like, Neil Breen films are the modern... Yes. The, the, the holdout of films like this, where Breen is like, I am doing this shit myself because I've got a weird belief and a message. That I, gotta, I have too much money and yeah. too much of an idea. Yeah, and... Uh, I mean, this is an attempt to bust into the Hollywood system as opposed to whatever the hell Breen is actually doing, which I think is trying to bust into the Hollywood system. Uh. He wants his movies to be real movies. But this isn't about Breen. I shouldn't be talking about him. This is a fascinating bad movie night movie. I can't recommend it enough for that specific purpose. Yeah, 8 out of 10. This is definitely a movie that if you can watch with even, like, two other people... It is going to be an absolute joy. Not since big money rustlers have I been this endorsing of a movie for a movie night among friends. Yes. And honestly, I feel like it'd make a good two-parter. Oh, yeah. If you're doing a bad movie night, you could do way worse of a job than trying to get together and do big money rustlers and Miami Connection. Yeah. It's going to be very disjointed. Oh, my God. No theme, <laughs> but... Who needs a theme? Who needs a theme when you can have wild uh, tone shifts and total incongruities? <laughs> All right. There you go. Thank you so much for joining us for our trip through the Miami Connection. We, of course, will be back in another couple weeks with some more Movie Mastery. And we've got our TV Mastery that we're doing. If you head on over to patreon.com slash system mastery, you can join us at the $5 level. You unlock all of our bonus content for every show we do. Mm -hmm. You unlock the Afterthought Monthly Show. And right now, we are going through the old, late 90s SNCC lineup on Nickelodeon when they were trying to appeal to older kids. Yep, and boy, is it ever a weird look into what people thought kids wanted in the mid to late 90s. Yeah, there's a, a, a section of this timeline where they were like, we are trying to get a, like, 12 to 16-year-old demographic, and we have no idea how to do that, mm -hmm. and it's amazing. Yeah, so it's been a real journey. We're, I'd say, maybe halfway to a little more than halfway through that right now, but don't let that stop you because TV Mastery is here to stay. We, we're just going to pick another random corner of television history when we're done with SNCC, and we're just going to go do that too. Yep, and so today, special uh, super guest Claire will join us. We are talking about the old Ren and Stimpy show, mm -hmm. and it is going to be a delight. So be sure to head over to patreon.com slash system mastery at the $5 level to join us for all of that. And if you can't do anything monetarily, obviously we understand times they are a tough. Mm -hmm. And so you can just rate, review. rate, review, give us a five star wherever you're listening to this. Go on, hell, go on to things where you aren't listening to us and give us five stars. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> go on to Yelp, make a page for us and give us five stars. Or just leave reviews of us on restaurant pages. We don't care. Yeah, go go to your local pizza place, leave a five-star review that says, the System Mastery boys do a great podcast, no explanation. Given the number of reviews on our own site that are about how Critical Role is great, I think we deserve it. Uh, and that number, by the way, is three. That's that's all. It's not like it's 50 of them. <laughs> <laughs> and that's again stretched out over the course of like eight years and like 30 different social media channels to check so there you go yeah so it's not that bitter 
Uh, all right. We will head out, and you can join us in a couple weeks for more Movie Mastery. And until that time, you all have a good one. <laughs>